Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Part of my, my remedy for, for you and I is conquering fear is you have to keep moving. You have to keep going. You have to. Movement is life. Movement is life. And, and there are times on your journey with Jesus that he will stop and address the fear that has consumed you. It's okay to take a break and take a pause and all that good stuff. But you have to keep going. Do you feel like you're losing your motivation to keep moving forward? As you listen to today's message from Pastor James, he teaches that moving is a part of life. As disciples of Jesus, you'll face fears and obstacles. However, it's important to not get stuck there. Keep trusting in the Lord to help you take a brave new step each and every day with Him. Pastor James encourages you that the Lord is always with you. He promises to never leave or forsake you. So keep moving forward with Him. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Mark chapter 10 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Mark chapter 10. What I wanted to um, address with you guys is this issue of fear. Um, you have anybody wrestle with fear? Anybody? That's a problem? Yeah. Uh, both my hands go up. Um, fear. Uh, it, it's a real issue. It's a real struggle. And it is addressed within these, uh, these few little verses here as Jesus and his disciples are making their way to Jerusalem. I, I want you to know that fear is a, it's a it's a common emotion. Now, fear can be like, I know the commands. There's 365 commands to not be afraid in the Bible, right? One for every day. Uh, I also know there's a practical side of fear that's probably a really good thing. Let's say you're out hiking and there's a giant bear. You should be afraid. That's that natural thing that God's wired inside of you to like be afraid, right? You don't go up to it and try to pet it befriend it. Um, there's, there's a natural element to it, but we're not talking about the natural element to that. What we are talking about is the lack of trust that coincides with most of the fear that you and I experience, especially living on this Western side of this globe. Okay? So we're going to talk about that, and let's read through these verses, and then I'm going to pray again just, uh, just so the, the Lord has our hearts and our minds. Verse 32 of chapter 10 It says, now they were on the road, that's Jesus and the disciples, going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was going before them, and they were amazed, that's his his disciples. And as they followed, they were afraid. Then he took the twelve aside again and began to tell them the things that would happen to him. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be betrayed uh, to the chief priests and to the scribes. They will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and scourge him and spit on him and kill him, and on the third day, he will rise again, right? Okay, so we're we're just going to camp out in these little verses. Let's go to the last verse that we read, because I think this will help to kind of frame out um, just how amazing Jesus is, all right? Actually, verses 33 through 34. Behold, we are going, this is Jerusalem, talk, or Jesus talking to his disciples. We're going to go to Jerusalem. 
the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the scribes. That's the religious leaders of the day. He will be betrayed to them. They will condemn him to death. That's, that's again, the religious leaders of Jerusalem. And they will, be, they will deliver him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him. They will scourge him. They will spit on him. They will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. We, we need to understand that because that sets the tone for the first part of this section. Because look in verse 32. It says, as they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was going before them. And I'm going to pause there because I want you to understand. I want you to, like I've always tell you guys, when you study the Bible, when you're reading the Word, you need to put yourself into the Scriptures. You're right there, right alongside these disciples, cruising down these dirt, dusty roads up to Jerusalem. And just ahead of you is Jesus, the Messiah, Yeshua. He already knows what's going to happen. He just told his disciples exactly, precisely what awaits him and him alone. Yet he marches on ahead of them. And that, that the tone of that is like, he's not like hesitant. He's pressing on. No fear. No worries. He knows what's to come. This, in fact, is either the third or possibly the fifth time he has told his disciples what's going to happen in Jerusalem. And as they are making their trek up to Jerusalem, and this is it, this is entering the final week, the Passion Week, our commander, the man, Jesus, walks ahead. He walks ahead. No, no delay, no wavering. No, to this side or to that side. No, just straight, just straight down the path up to Jerusalem, not afraid of what lies in front of him. He knows. He's on a mission. He's on a mission, and he's fulfilling that mission that God the Father had had for him as the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They, they have this plan. They formulated this plan to rescue humanity. And the only way it was possible for you and I to be saved is that somebody had to die, and that's Jesus. And he knew that. He knew that. He knew going into the, the chapter 11 is going to be the triumphal entry. He knew that riding into the city of Jerusalem, I mean, they're going to be shouting his name, and they're going to be crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And he knows that they're going to say that. And in a matter of days, they're going to be shouting out, crucify him, crucify him. He's going to be weeping over the city as he enters into it because they just don't get it. They didn't recognize the day of his arrival, but still he presses on. Still, he marches forward, unwavered. He knew that there's, the betrayal was going to happen. It's a matter of days. The betrayal is going to happen. One of the very 12 that is walking behind him is going to sell him out for a few pieces of silver. He knows he's going to have a sleepless night in the Garden of Gethsemane where he is praying all night under great stress. And he's sweating great drops of blood. He knows that's coming. He knows he, he's going to be delivered by the Jews over to the Gentiles, two opposites finally coming together for a common cause, and that's to kill Jesus. He knew of all the stuff, yet his, his face was set like flint, set like flint to, towards the cross. 
because he knew behind the cross was a tomb, and that empty tomb was going to remain empty. And still he marched on. That's why they're in awe. If you see that, they're on the road going up to Jerusalem. Jesus was going before them. There's just so much behind that. Jesus was going before them. Every time I read through this passage, it always, always, always reminds me of Psalm 23, the good shepherd. That's the, Jesus is the good shepherd. If you don't know anything about livestock like me, because I don't, I just read books about it. You can't drive sheep. You have to lead sheep. You drive cattle. You lead sheep. Here's Jesus, the good shepherd, leading his followers. Leading them into suffering. Leading them into trials. Leading them into tribulation. But he will never lead you somewhere where he wasn't willing to go himself. He will never ask you to do something he himself was never willing to do. You can trust Jesus as the good, great shepherd. That's the image we get here. It says, and they were amazed, the disciples, as they're walking. And I don't know how many steps ahead of them he was, but they are just in awe. They're amazed because they don't get it. Even if this is the fifth time he's going to tell them, they've, they've missed the previous four times. Where he's like, you know we're going to Jerusalem, we're going to die, right? You know they're going to hand me over and cruise. No, you're the Messiah. You're, you're, you're going to dethrone Rome. You're not the Messiah who came to die. You're the Messiah who came to reign. He's like, no, no, no. You've got to read your Bibles. I'm the Messiah who first must die, then come back and reign. We know that they weren't getting it. We know from Luke's account that he would say these things, and, and they were kind of like blinded to it. The light bulb would come on after the resurrection. But he still was telling them this. And as he's walking forward, walking ahead of them, they are just in awe of Jesus. And please, dear brothers and sisters, as you follow him, follow him in awe and in reverence, knowing this, he's leading you down the path. He already knows, he already knows what's going to come. He already knows what's going to happen after the storm that does come. He is faithful and true, and he will lead you through the storms. He already knows he's a good shepherd. He's not like showing up and he's like, well, I didn't expect this. I never saw that coming. I don't know what you guys are going to do, but I'm out of here. That's not Jesus, right? That's not who he is. You're his kid. He loves you. He says, I already knew the storm was coming. In fact, I allowed the storm to happen. We're going through life groups. We started this video series through the book of James, taught by Matt, who's a phenomenal teacher. We're watching through this. And last week's video, some of you guys will see it. Well, you guys watch two videos. You'll see it again. But it's about suffering. James chapter 1, it's about suffering. What do we do? We, We consider it all joy when suffering happens. It's like, that's crazy. Who thinks like that? People who follow the good shepherd. Because we know the trials will make us stronger. He doesn't allow things to happen within our lives that, that ultimately don't work out for the good for those who love him or are called according to his plan and purpose. The disciples are falling behind. They're just like, this dude is amazing. Can you, belie- can you believe it? I mean, he's not like running in the opposite direction. He's not a coward. He's a conqueror. He's not going to let fear deter him 
from accomplishing the mission. But how soon awe and wonder turn to fear and panic. Because the longer they dwell on this, then that, that, that thing springs up within their hearts and in their minds, this thing called fear. The unknown, the what-ifs. The what-ifs. You can't camp out in the what-ifs. You can't. You don't know. You don't know. But what if? But what if? But what if? You can what if until the day you die. And there's a good chance that none of that stuff that you were worrying about was ever going to happen to you. But as they're thinking, and they know they're headed up to Jerusalem, it says they were amazed, period, new sentence. And as they followed, they were afraid. They were afraid. This term afraid in, in the Greek actually speaks of they're afraid of what may happen to them. They have this overwhelming concern of their physical well-being. They're afraid of suffering. They're afraid that some sort of physical harm is going to come upon them. That's literally what they are experiencing in this moment. So as they're thinking, and so maybe some of those seeds you know, have germinated within their, their heart and their mind concerning what Jesus told them was going to happen, as they're thinking of like, wait a minute, as we've been following this guy around for three years, the religious leaders, their hatred towards him has grown more and more and more. And they already know that they're looking to kill Jesus. And if we're connected to him, well, they're going to come after us too. So no longer are their eyes on Jesus, their eyes are now on themselves. And as they are approaching Jerusalem, they are overwhelmed with fear because now they're afraid, what's going to happen to us? What's going to happen to us? And you can tell there's two different walks that are happening on this dirt road to Jerusalem. There's a walk of confidence, and then there's a walk of fear. Jesus, the one who's going to suffer all the things that he just told him he was going to suffer, is the one walking with confidence. The ones who are not going to experience any of this, not at this moment, are the ones walking in fear. Had they been given the option, they, they may have turned around and headed the other way. But this is how good Jesus is. Because you may, you may have experienced this. Maybe you're presently there right now and you're in this, this kind of, in the midst of a, an unknown thing where you're, you're kind of trapped in a, a fear storm, so to speak. And then the enemy likes to get into your head and say, uh, he'll, he'll bring up all 365 verses that speak about fear and how you're a sinner and how you, man, you, you, you can't possibly trust Jesus. Because if you did, you wouldn't be afraid, right? Have you ever had this uh, attack from the enemy, right? Who, how, who were you? You obviously don't belong to him because if you did, you would trust him. You're like, ah, uh, maybe, um, I don't know. That's a good argument. Um, but I love how Jesus is for his disciples and how he is for you and I. In the midst of fear, when fear grips our hearts and our minds, and it just begins to choke out the life that's inside of us, whatever confidence we may have had, he knows how to stop and address the sheep. He never says, you know what? Get over it. You know what? Walk it off. Rub some dirt on it. Those are good. I had great coaches that, I mean, they live by those suggestions, right? Rub some dirt on it. It's broken. Rub some dirt on it. It's fine. Just keep going. Unfortunately, we hear a lot of that, and there's, there's some wisdom and there's some truth behind that, right? 
part of my, my remedy for, for you and I is conquering fear is you have to keep moving. You have to keep going. You have to. Movement is life. Movement is life. And, and there are times on your journey with Jesus that he will stop and address the fear that has consumed you. It's okay to take a break and take a pause and all that good stuff. But you have to keep going. You have to keep going. You can't, circum, you can't circumnavigate around the storms of life. We are meant to go through the storms of life. You have the greatest captain available. Jack Sparrow's got nothing on this guy, right? You like Jack Sparrow? I guess there's a trial going on or something. I don't know. Um, all I know is I like Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, but Jesus is like, he's the greatest. So if he's the one who's sailing this vessel of your life through this journey and the storms spring up, he knows how to navigate those things. Here he is. They're going up there and they were afraid. Says the, the rest of that little verse there says, then he, Jesus, took the 12 aside again. Again, you could circle that little word, again, because there's going to be many times where he needs to pull you aside and reconfirm in your heart and your mind that you can trust him. That's good. There's a lot of comfort when you, look, when you just simply read through the Gospels and you take time to notice little terms. And all the little terms mean something. There's value to each and every word. So he pulled them aside again. So if you feel bad of like, oh man, Lord, I'm sorry you have to keep dealing with me concerning this thing, don't worry about it. He's got no problem with it. He will take you aside again and again and again. As often as you need it, he will meet you where you're at. He took them aside again. He began to tell them the things that would happen to him. How do you alleviate the fear? Jesus steps in and says, no, guys, let me tell you, this journey into Jerusalem, it's about me. It's not about you. It's not about you. They would not be exempt from suffering. We know that. You read the book of Acts. In fact, uh, one of the three main ones, James, he would die. He would be the first one to die. He'd be murdered for his faith. Peter, martyred. And if they're murdered for your faith, and you're a martyr. So Peter was martyred as well. Poor John. John had the worst of it all, right? Like, yeah, he got to live till 90, but he was dipped in boiling oil, right? They tried to kill this guy. They couldn't kill this guy because God wasn't done with him. Suffering would be experienced by all of these guys, but not on this day, not on this trip. And what they were so worried about Jesus could alleviate that fear from them because he, he could just clearly remind them, this one's about me, guys. Let me tell you what's going to happen to me. You don't need to be afraid. So he pulls them aside, tells them again the things that would happen to him. And this is, we're back into that verse 33. Behold, behold, pay attention, look at me. You ever have a teacher say that? I need to start implementing that. I think, uh, hey, look at me, look at me, all eyes appear, right? I've had teachers and pastors do that before, and you're like, oh, I kind of flashbacks, right? Sometimes PS, you know, what is that, uh, post-traumatic syndrome, right? Like school for me, I'm like, oh, I'm back in school. Um, I had a hard time paying attention. Uh, Anyways, look at me, 
eyes on me. This is what he's doing to his disciples. Hey, guys, focus. Look at me. Look at me. Fear is consuming your, your heart right now. Look at me. Look at me. Jesus knows how to show up in your life, pull you to the side and say, hey, 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 look at me. Look at me. Let's take a deep breath. Just look at me. Let me speak into your life. Let me speak into your heart. Let me remind you of the price that I already paid. Look at me. Look at me. Constantly, Jesus is telling us that. Guys, that is your remedy to fear. It's to look at Jesus. It's to look at Jesus. Hear that call. The Holy Spirit's inside of you saying, hey, 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 look at him. Just look at him. The author and what? Finisher of your faith. Author meaning he started it. Finisher, he will complete it. Look to Jesus. He didn't just start something in you and then say, you know what? I think you got this. Uh, I'm going to step away. I'll see you when I see you. Um, good luck. You know, all that. that's not how he works. He's not a God who is distant. He is a God who is near. And he didn't just create everything and then take a step back and be like, oh, you guys figure it out. He's like, I created everything and I made you and I will be with you until the very end. Until the very end. That's a beautiful thing. That's what Christianity should, that's why it should be so appealing to everybody. Is because the one who formed us and fashioned us inside of our mother's womb says, look, if you want it, I'll hang out with you for the rest of your life. If you want it. It's a free gift. It's a free gift. This life is hard. This life is hard for everybody. For everybody. And don't let any of the whatever what you see on TV and social media and all that stuff. Life is difficult for everyone. Everyone. And I praise God that I accepted that free gift of salvation and said, man, I don't want to do this without you, Jesus. In fact, I can't do this without you. I've tried. And then the whole way, the whole way through this process, he's like constantly, look at me. Look at me. Stop. Stop freaking out. Stop freaking out. Look at me. Look at me. When you have somebody's attention, eye contact, it's hard for them to get distracted. Now, I, we get it. If you've ever had a conversation with somebody and you're staring at them in the eyes, but then your mind starts to wonder, right? That's happened before. And they tell you that you're, their name and you're like, oh man, what was that? It just happened like two seconds ago, right? This happens to me all the time, all the time. So I call you by the wrong name, just roll with it. It's, co- it's cool. But this is why Jesus is constantly calling us back. Like, hey, hey, focus, focus, focus. Me, look at me, look at me. I am looking at you. Yeah, but you're not paying attention. Okay? Come back, come back, come back. That's what he's doing with these 12. This is three years of walking with Jesus every single day. Every single day. Over 900 days, they are walking intimately side by side with Jesus. They watched him multiply all the fish and the loaves, not once, but twice. They've seen him raise a little girl from the dead. They've seen him restore eyesight to to guys who are blind. And for those who are mute, he restored their speech. The lame are walking. He's done everything the Messiah was going to do. They've watched him do this. And on the road to Jerusalem, they are having a panic attack. 
because they're worried about what might happen to them, but it's not going to happen to them. Thanks for joining us today here on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're walking through the Gospel of Mark, one of the accounts of Jesus' life while he was here on the earth. Mark offers unique perspectives on this time, emphasizing Jesus' servanthood to the people that he met. Jesus loved practically, often, and with everyone. What a kind and humble servant we get to serve. If you need to hear this message again or you'd like to catch up on previous teachings, visit our website at breadforthebroken.com. Once you're there, simply click on the Listen tab and feel free to explore the variety of verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter Bible teachings. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary Galveston. And if you're ever in the Galveston area, we would love to have you come visit us. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. for a time of worship and Bible study. Our Thursday night Bible study starts at 7 p.m., and you're welcome to come join us for both. Our atmosphere at Calvary Galveston is relaxed, so feel free to come just as you are. For more information, visit our website. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. You can get directions there as well. We're excited to meet you and spend some time worshiping with you. That's all the time that we have for today, but we're so glad that you listened in to hear from God's Word. We encourage you to read ahead in the book of Mark and to gear up for what's ahead in this New Testament book. There's so much to learn, so much to know about Jesus. So make plans to join us again, right here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.